All right. Well, come on back and take your seats, and we'll continue uh, with our teaching time together this afternoon. My name's Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho. And uh, I want to share this afternoon just a, a small portion of uh, the, the journey that I took into pastoral work and ministry because uh, I grew up in a home that was not religious and so that I'm pastoring is still somewhat shocking to some of my extended family members. Uh, but particularly how I came to Jericho and pastoring uh, here and being a part of a Mennonite Brethren Church. And I'll just share the, a small portion of the story, and that is that in the fall of 1996, uh, I started attending a new congregation in Langley. And I was dating Meg, so she was attending there, and so I thought, well, if she's going there, then I should go there. And uh, I was reading the, the bulletin one Sunday, and they mentioned that they were looking for volunteers to help with their Christmas play. And I thought, oh, that sounds kind of cool. I've done some community theater back in Ontario. I played a little bit of the piano, so I figured out how to let people know that I wanted to volunteer. I stuck my hand up, and, and they said, hey, great, let's do this together. And so I started serving there in uh, helping out with their Christmas production. And I enjoyed it so much, then they said, well, hey, that was great. Why don't you, you play the piano a little bit? Why don't you serve on some of the worship teams? And so I started doing that a little bit. And I enjoyed that so much that uh, eventually I did an internship at that church, at North Langley Community Church. And I enjoyed that so much that I came on staff then at that church. And then I enjoyed that so much that I, we assembled a group of people and planted a satellite campus out of that uh, church. And then I enjoyed that so much that I'm still here <laughs> as a lead pastor at Jericho. <laughs> so... That's how I got here. I don't know how you got here. Maybe you want to take some time uh, at some point and talk to other people and say, hey, how did you get to be here at uh, Jericho Ridge? But for me, actually, the pathway to Jericho Ridge started that one day when I just took my hand up and said, I'll help out. What needs doing around here? And that was that journey into uh, a wonderful relationship with uh, a family. And I noticed certain things started to happen as I started to serve and get engaged in the life of a community. There's certain things that maybe see if these are true of your experience. When you start to serve, it connects you to God in a fresh way because a lot of times you need to trust God in a greater dependence. You're stepping out and doing something in ministry or in serving others. And so suddenly you realize, hey, <laughs> my prayer life needs to look a little bit different in, in, around this. It also connects us to other people and develops relationships with other people in a fresh way. Because you're shoulder to shoulder with people. And then as you engage in serving people, uh, you come to a different sense of those relationships. You're part of a family. The other thing that it, it does is you begin to see some of the difference that you make in the lives of other people, the impact that you have. And, and sometimes uh, that also helps connect you to a sense of your gifts or your calling or your purpose or you realize things about yourself that you didn't know were true until you started serving in those ways. Those are some of the positive things that happens to us when we 
start serving in any organization, but particularly in the life of a faith community. But I think we also need to be honest with each other and recognize that sometimes serving can just be uncomfortable because serving requires something of us. And usually it's sacrificial, something we have to give up. We have to give up some time to serve that we had allocated for other stuff. Maybe you have gifts or talents that you now are putting on the line in a different way, uh, or your finances are uh, getting invested in different things. Sometimes when you start to serve, you say, well, sometimes you can see the difference that you're making. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's just not clear. And so if you went into it strictly thinking, yeah, I'm going to change the world for Jesus, and then the world doesn't change as quickly as you wanted it to, sometimes that can become frustrating or uncomfortable. Um, Also, When you start serving, sometimes when you engage in it, there's this sense of excitement. Yes, this is great. And then over time, that sometimes declines. And so doing it with joy over a long, sustained period of time can be a challenge. And also, sometimes it can be hard to kind of find that place of service where you really do experience joy and a sense of, this is a great fit for me. I know in my experience, I had to try out a whole bunch of different uh, venues in serving before I kind of found my feet and figured out what really was an area of passion for me. Uh, Before uh, that experience at North Langley, I was serving uh, with Meg uh, over at another church in Maple Ridge in youth ministry, and it became very clear and apparent to me that I should not pursue a career in youth ministry as a result of that serving opportunity. It just was not for me. That was not my sweet spot. But I had to try it out for a while before I kind of figured that out. And so it can be tricky and uncomfortable to try and find some of those sweet spots for serving. But as I sat down and thought about this series and including the topic of serving... Uh, One of the things that comes up in churches is this notion of the, it's called the Pareto Principle. It's an 80-20 rule. And a lot of times in churches, uh, when it comes to volunteerism, what that really means or signifies is that oftentimes 20% of the people in a given community are doing at least 80% of the work in uh, a given community or in a given organization. But when you start actually pressing into that and you look around Jericho Ridge, you begin to see that Jericho is not like the vast majority of churches that are out there. If you look around at the people seated around you, you may not know where they serve, either inside or outside of the walls of Jericho, but almost every single person that I could think of went through the list this week and tried to think, what is this person engaged in? What's that person engaged in? Almost everyone, I could not come up with people who were not serving somewhere in a meaningful way. And I'm not just talking about serving inside the life of Jericho. I'm thinking about people like uh, Joel Schachter. Joel serves and others at the uh, Langley Food Bank. Or someone like Alice DeRosio, leading a small group in her seniors complex. At age 91, she's still leading and serving in that way. Uh, or someone like Larry Schmidt. Larry uh, serves on a board of a recovery society on the north side of the Fraser. Or someone like John McCarthy, who coaches football on a weekly basis. 
or countless people who are involved in breakfast clubs or organizations like Youth Unlimited that serve uh, our youth here or arts groups. And the list goes on and on and on. There's people that serve your family by helping provide childcare for others in your family system. Um, there was a group up this morning at Fleetwood serving there and putting on a, a, a worship gathering so the people who can't make it to church and live in that facility can be engaged in a meaningful way. There's those who come out to Wagner Hills. There's those who organize fundraisers for missions teams uh, or band trips or families in need. There's people who lend a hand to help friends move or help out with student ministries or people who pray for others. or Like the list just goes on and on and on and on. So the one thing that I want to say to you today and that I want you to know as your pastor is Jericho, I am proud of you for the way in which you serve. You buck the trend of consumerism just coming and sitting and not engaging, not really caring about what else. I'm just here to consume the services that other people are offering to me. I am deeply and unapologetically proud of you as your pastor because you guys are killing it. Like you're doing an awesome job of serving. And, and we have to celebrate this fact because one of our core values is global service. And that means when we talk about global service and when we say, what is the bullseye that we are trying to hit with one of our core values, we say it this way. We desire to love and serve one another and our world. We envision the people of Jericho Ridge investing in the lives of people who are far from God, both locally and globally, thinking and acting as part of the global community of faith. We believe that joyful service is an important part of holistic growth in following Jesus, and we walk in obedience to God, actively looking for opportunities to use our time, talent, and treasures for kingdom growth and impact. If that's the bullseye, gang, you're hitting it. You're doing a great job. So, like, congratulations, and know that churches, when they come into the fall, and when they talk about serving, usually what that means is, that the staff has sat around and thought to themselves, oh man, we are radically understaffed on the volunteer component here. Uh, Pastor, could you please preach a sermon on service so that those people who are not currently serving can feel guilted into getting off of their butt and doing something meaningful in the life of this place because we're understaffed. And I want to just say, we don't have to have those kinds of conversations around here. And part of that is, you, you are doing a good job of understanding what is really at stake when we serve. And that is, this is about kingdom growth and impact. And so when we serve, we're reflecting something of God's heart. So I want to take a few minutes, and I want us to just celebrate that. And the way that I want us to do that is a little bit of an open mic sharing time. And I want you to think about... Um, is there someone else that you see serving somewhere? It doesn't have to be inside the life of Jericho. It can be somewhere else. Uh, and take a moment to just affirm them. Stick your hand up, and I'll come around with the mic, and you'll say, hey, I'm like, I want to just say that I noticed this person serving, and I want to thank them, and I want to honor the Lord uh, for the way in which they are serving. All right? So, Sylvia, I will come to you, and you can tattletale on whomever you want. Savannah is going to kill me. <laughs> Savannah has um, uh, done some really amazing volunteer work by 
volunteering to help with special needs kids that are in kindergarten at school. Awesome. And she does a great job of taking care of them at, at in recess and lunch hour and things like that. So Awesome. Way to go, Savannah. might not like me either. But, um, <laughs> she's sitting right in front of me. Um, <laughs> Miriam was there for me in a time in my life where I needed help and didn't know it. And it was right after Robert was born. And she's like, can I hold him? I'm like, please. <laughs> I just needed that time to connect to God. And you were there. And the baby holding thing was what got me through so many months. So I thank you. Sorry, who are you pointing to? Oh, okay, I'm coming to Sandy next. <laughs> see you around there. Um, <laughs> I look at the worship team, and you're a wonderful team, all of you, the, the three teams, but I want to center out one particular person, Dave McFarlane. Uh, Dave is very gracious and warm. He's a great pianist, and uh, I could, should say this. Uh, about uh, two or three months ago, we went to our school to see our granddaughter, Pacific Academy, and Dave was inside the school teaching history. He ran outside onto the lawn to greet us, and so that, that's special. Mm -hmm. Um, I think um, the guys that do signs, um, so that's like um, Sean and Steve and who else does signs? Dave. I think just, yeah. they do it in all the weather. So today I would have been thankful that I wasn't doing signs and they were doing signs <laughs> in the pouring rain. And I think, you know, when you're a church that meets in unusual spots, it's good to know that if you invite somebody to church, you can say, look for the signs and they'll see the signs. And they never take any limelight. And they go and pick them up and then at, when we all go home, they're still collecting signs. So I appreciate how they make us newcomer friendly. And, um, and even for me, actually, you know, I know that I'm going to turn left to come here because there's a sign there. So I appreciate that. That's good. Michael, what do you want to say? Well, I love going to Jericho Ridge Church in this, this, this fantastic Fantastic new place in Surrey. Yeah. Well, most of the time, I will sing and dance every time I want to listen to some music and sing, sing some new songs to it. Yeah. I, and I also want to go on new journeys and adventures myself on this, this phenomenal, phenomenal adventure. Awesome. And for, for that, I also want to also want to meet new friends and such and take me home, take me take me home and feel. it's true michael needs a ride home so if you want to serve you could give michael a ride home today that would be awesome okay thanks buddy and love it <laughs> i also also want and i want to also want to share new moments and thoughts about my run for the terry fox run oh yeah it's good. Good work, you, dude. You know about Terry Fox, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Sharon. 
I'd like to thank you and Wally and Mike for serving our congregation and giving us a good message every week. Thanks. Gary. <laughs> Was there a movie called A Man Named Peter? That's the man that I'm thinking of. Uh, a man, multifaceted, multi-gifted, and uh, serving in, in just the same way. Uh, ably, in terms of the uh, uh, facilities, mm -hmm. what do they call this committee? The future facilities team has been disbanded. Now we have a facility team because okay. the future part is off. So Okay. Yeah. Does yeah. that mean from one hand to another? <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> and preaching and the uh, under the sun. Yeah. Um, so uh, I really appreciate what he's doing and his contribution. My uncle, a businessman himself, said, if you want something done, ask a busy man. <laughs> and uh, we've asked. Awesome. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> Jared. The list is long, but I'll pick one. Uh, Curtis Cottrell. I've really appreciated his... Um, there's, there's two things specifically that stand out to me when I think about him. So at, at the end of any uh, music practice that we've done uh, on a worship team, he and I always jam to like this same little ditty that he's made up. And, the, and, and it doesn't matter how late the practice has ended or how exhausted we are, if he's just come back from a flight or something like this. He, we, always, we always do this, and it always lightens the mood, no matter how bag-tired we may or may not be. <laughs> the second thing is... Um, I've really appreciated the ways that he uh, he prays for me, and often in just little small group contexts here at church, um, he'll just give me like the big dad hand on my shoulder or something like that. And I I've really valued that tenderness from an older uh, guy in my life. So that's been great. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, I'd like to just say a word. Um, about uh, Ron, um, you know, you all know him as a moderator and uh, on our elders board. But on a very personal level, he's been a very encouraging um, friend to me uh, at times where I, one of the biggest challenges of my life has been letting other people know when I have a need and asking for help. And uh, the few times where I've done that, just in very small ways and sometimes bigger ways, he's always been very responsive. Many other people have been as well. But uh, at this moment, um, you know, just a short text sometimes he'll send. You know, when I've had health issues, how are you doing with that? How's it going? And then following up the next day, um, uh, just a, a, th a thoughtfulness of spirit that uh, is consistently displayed, uh, whether it was when I was having issues with my heart, visiting in the hospital uh, with Curtis, or whether it was smaller things like uh, just texts on seeing how it's going with something I'm dealing with, um, you know, or uh, just dropping by to help move some boxes recently because we had to move from our house into the condo because of the swelling, you know, all this, all the sliding we had, and I'd had an operation, and and he couldn't do any lifting, so he knew that, and I just said, hey, I have some boxes to move, I can't lift, can you give me a hand? He was 10 minutes away, so he stopped in. So, lots of little ways, yeah. um, but a very practical servant. Uh, both him and Constance are always um, willing to do whatever is necessary. That's just their uh, their spirit, and it's very genuine. Mm -hmm. So, as a church, we're very fortunate to have um, him in a leadership position because he models what he what he yeah. does. He models what his, his eldership is about mm -hmm. in his personal life. Yeah, that's great. Tammy. 
Thanks, Hannah. Um, I just wanted to recognize Ruth Ellen um, for, for a few different reasons. One, she's very musically gifted, and I always love to listen to her sing. And, um, and I love that she continues to do that even though she has small kids. I think it's really easy when you have little kids and you're busy and they're crying and there's so much going on that, that she still, um, that she still you know, sacrifices in so many ways to be able to um, lead us in worship. And, and then on a personal note, I've really appreciated Ruth Ellen. Um, just, I worked with her for a lot of years on staff at Jericho, and, and when she went on her last maternity leave and, and decided not to return as staff, but still um, was very intentional in being a volunteer and still committed to the church and very involved in our community. And that was, for me, when I transitioned off staff, was something that I really appreciated her modeling for me. All right. Ruth Ellen. I'm right back at you, Tammy. <laughs> um, no, I just, I particularly wanted to thank and just lift up the, the youth in our community because the past two years they have really served me and helping me be sane and be a good mom, not harm my children by giving me breaks. <laughs> so I think of particularly Danny and Hannah Smethers, who we've had as pretty staples as babysitters, but everything from Savannah to um, Victoria and, and Sophia. Fofi is, as um, our little guy calls Fofi, um, at church and at home. Like, they've all impacted my kids and they've played when I have had no play more I've had no play capacity and mom has played out <laughs> and it has served me in way way more ways than they could ever ever know and so I am so grateful for them and for then the families like uh, Tammy and Dave and um, the Nichols who also will drive their kids to my house if I can't if I'm without a car and stuck um, that really has served me and Jared quite tremendously. Well, gang, we could go on and on and on, right? Because there are so many things in this category uh, to celebrate. And, and recognize that when you're doing that, um, sometimes it can be hard and awkward because you feel like, oh, I'm putting this other person on the spot and uh, are they going to want that? But really, one of the things we're doing is just thanking the Lord that God gave them the grace to be able to meet a need, to give them the gifts that they needed in that moment, in that season, in that time. Uh, to be able to step into that place. And here's, here's the real point that I want you to take away from that. And that is that when we serve, it really comes from that place of gratitude, of what God has done for us and how he has shown his love to us. And when we serve and when our service flows genuinely out of a place of gratitude and when it's rooted in gifts that God has given to us, that leads to our growth individually and as a community because we're serving out of love and out of that place uh, of genuine empowerment of the work of the Spirit. That's what Paul's talking about when uh, he talks about gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So take your Bibles or your devices and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, verses 4 to 11 
today. And really one of the things about spiritual gifts when we start talking about this discussion is to remind ourselves that Paul's really trying to write a corrective here to a church that's not on the right course. And they've, they've, they've um, really are asking some significant questions about how they can do life together as a community. And one of the things that he is trying to help them see is that when they serve, that serving needs to come from that place of spirit-empowered giftedness. And they need to recognize that God has given them gifts that then are designed to be shared with other people. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting reading in verse 4 in the New Living Translation, which says this, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same Lord, God, who does the work in all of us. So remember when I said earlier that sometimes serving is not a joy-filled experience, uh, sometimes it can just be plain hard work. And actually, it gets even more uncomfortable because of the massive diversity of gifts that God has given to his people. And a massive diversity, Paul's so clear on this that he goes at it three times in a row, in three verses. Like, are you catching the idea? This is just a lot of different types of gifts that are going on. And in the diversity of gifts, there can be a chance and opportunity for us to kind of bump up against each other in difficult ways because there's such diversity. And that can make service a little bit uncomfortable for us. Just strictly because the spiritual gifts that God gives to his church vary so widely in their expression. But we need to always remember that despite a massive variety of gifts, there's still unity in their origin. They come from God, and God has given them to us for a purpose. In verse 4, it says, The same Spirit is the source of all of these gifts and the empowerment to serve. But there are different kinds of service. Let's name it. Let's recognize it. And this means that you are going to serve differently than I will serve, even if we have the same gift. Even if we have uh, both gifts in an area of leadership, but maybe you're introverted by personality. God's given you that gift. You're going to lead differently than a person who's extroverted is going to lead. And that can often make us uncomfortable. And it can lead us into places of conflict. But I think this is why Paul just sets this discussion in motion again by saying to us again and again, you know what, gang, just get used to diversity in the expression of giftedness. It's just part of life together. But always remember that those gifts come from one place. And that is a loving Father God who wants these gifts to be displayed in his family. And so the questions that we need to ask ourselves when we get into these conversations and where it might start to feel uncomfortable because you see things differently than I do or you serve in a different way than I do. And the one question to ask is, what expectations do I have of God and of those around me when it comes to service? And are those expectations and those assumptions that I'm bringing to the table healthy or are they unhealthy? Do they match reality? Because sometimes if my assumption is, oh, that person has a leadership gift, fantastic, they're going to do stuff exactly the way that I would do it, 
That's not a healthy assumption to make. And then my expectation when they start to serve, but they don't do it the way I want it done, is askew and off base. And we need to come back again and remind ourselves, like Paul does, listen, there is a wide variety in the way that these gifts express themselves. And so we should have expectations that things oftentimes can get a little bit messy in that and can get a little bit uncomfortable. For example, for me, I I recognize that I have very high expectations of myself. And in the early days of Jericho, Uh, That led to me translating those expectations onto anyone who served at Jericho. I was going to go as hard as we needed to go to get this church plant thing off the ground. And if you weren't working as hard as I was working, you were letting me down. And, And there was a distinctly unhealthy pattern to my expectations because I really like to run hard. I like high energy meetings. I like high stimulus. I like lots of change. I like high challenge. But Others around me were not thriving underneath those conditions, but my expectations just kept getting ratcheted up higher and higher. And if we'd come against a, a, something, a challenge, I'd be like, yes, let's do this and dial down and press in. And other people were saying, well, let's maybe take a different time approach to this. We should wait a little bit more. Let's think a little bit about this. I know we got to power through this as quick as we can. And so I needed to come to a place of recognition that my expectations around the way in which others were going to serve were unhealthy. I just expected that, man, I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to keep serving until I die, until this thing kills me or we get it off the ground. And one of my deep regrets in that season of my life and leadership is I didn't see that sooner. And, and I, I recognize that there were people that were hurt by that. And I've had to try and figure out ways to own that and, and find them and say, will you, uh, will, if I've hurt you because of my expectations around the way in which we were going to serve together, but I was never clear on those, and I hurt you, would you please forgive me? And that's a hard thing to kind of recognize that I put expectations of service on people they were not prepared to bear, and they didn't sign up for. And so, you know, if... Uh, you were at Jericho in those days. Uh, again, I apologize to you. Maybe you had that happen to you somewhere else in another church setting where you felt like you signed up for one thing and then as soon as you were in, the door closed and locked behind you and you were serving in children's ministry until the day you died. <laughs> and so at Jericho, we've had to try and learn and continue to learn how do we create appropriate expectations for those that serve and that lead. And it's a conversation we need to continue to have. And one of the things I want to say for us, Jericho, is as we go into the future, we believe that God is going to bring in this new facility and in the community that we embed ourselves in and continue to serve more people into our lives that need an encounter with Jesus. And more people means that more ministry needs to be done. And some of you are going into this season with the expectation of like, all right, more people, I got more capacity, I'm just going to bear it, We're gonna, I'm going to take on more things, I'm going to serve on five committees, six teams, seven to eight teams, I can do it, you know, let's just go for it. I think one of the things we need to recognize is just being attentive to our expectations of ourselves and others. And some of you have an expectation of yourself that you may not have verbalized that if it needs doing, I'm going to, if there's a problem, I'm going to jump in and solve it. And some of you are going to need to adjust your serving to match the needs that we have as a community. And that might mean either dialing up or dialing back. 
You might need to pay attention to what stage of life you're in. You might need to pay attention to some health shifts going on. But I, I want us to make sure that we're having an active conversation about serving that is healthy and we're communicating clearly with each other. And so we need to receive the gift of limits and say, you know what, I think I need to just tap out for this season, take a sabbatical and just focus on things that God's called me to in other areas of my life. And others saying, you know what, I've got capacity. I actually want to lean in in this season. Because we do not want to get into this new facility and become a church that just burns people out because we just keep trugging along and keep dialing back. So we should expect that God's going to bring everything that we need for the ministry that he has called us to do. And that means he's going to bring new people into the life of Jericho to serve in new roles and dream new dreams. So... Let's be attentive to that. Let's keep reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, pick up in verse 7 and read through to verse 11. Paul says this, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Same Spirit gives great faith to another. Someone else, the Spirit gives a gift of healing. Spirit gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the ability to prophesy, someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts, and the Spirit alone decides which gift each person should have. So just a few kind of ground rules then that are laid out for us in this section of Scripture. And there's so much more that could be said about spiritual gifts. But one thing just to pay attention to is this maintaining of unity in our diversity. And one of the clear signals for this is that nobody gets all of the gifts, but everybody gets at least one gift or some gifts from the Spirit. And the implication of no one getting all of the gifts that are needed is that we actually need each other to get the job done. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Meaning, you and I need to acknowledge when we need help and we need to be also willing to, when we see a need that we are gifted to meet and we have the capacity to do it, to step in and help another person. And this gets a little noisy and messy because a lot of it happens just very organically where you see a need and you meet it. It happens outside of programmatic type structures in the life of a church community. And that gets a little bit uh, uh, busy and noisy and cacophonous sometimes. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is, are you actually willing to go there? Are you willing to kind of be close enough to the lives of other people in a community that you can see needs when they come to the surface or that you can voice your needs to others? And so the question to ask ourselves is, when was the last time that you actually immersed yourself in cacophonous collaboration? <laughs> cacophonous collaboration is like a band getting together for the first time. 
it does not go well. It's noisy, it's messy. Different instruments are coming to the table. The clarinet's still a little bit squeaky. The trumpet player hasn't had a time to look at all the music yet. Gets settled in. It's cacophonous, it's loud, it's noisy. That's how spiritual gifts happen in the life of the church. It gets a little messy as there's just a lot of cacophonous collaboration happening. Sometimes two people are stepping in to meet the same need. Sometimes no one's stepping in over here to meet a need that they don't see yet because it's still noisy in the system. So it just gets a little bit noisy as we step into these places of trying to serve and meet needs well. But in order to do that, you got to actually step in to the mix and say, I got an instrument. I may not be, you know, a first chair clarinetist or trombonist or whatever, but I want to use my gift to serve. It might be a little squeaky. I might have a learning curve associated with that. But are you the type of person that people actually want to collaborate with? Are you living your life in a way that is open to others in community and open to also the way in which you offer your gifts being received with grace and gratitude and say, like, I got a gift here. Uh, You all need to use this gift. I'm pretty awesome at it. Thank you very much. So you should be thankful that Jesus gave me to you as a community. That's not the kind of person that other people want to collaborate with. There's a level of humility. There's a level of recognition of the diversity of gifts and, and an appropriate give and take in that relationship. And one of the clearest pictures that we have of this is actually coming to the communion table because we come with all of our issues and baggage, we come with all of our challenges, and we also all come with gifts to offer and share. Remember last week we talked a little bit about the fact that one of the pictures in the New Testament for us is that we are a kingdom of priests. And that priestly role then, that function, means that everyone who's a part of God's family is is able to fulfill that role and function of a minister of the gospel and a minister to each other. And so that's where the communion table becomes a really beautiful picture of this. And so we're going to do communion in a way that we have never done communion before in 13 years at Jericho Ridge. And it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for us. But what I want us to understand is that when we love and serve one another, that does take us outside of our comfort zone sometimes. And so what we want to do is actually serve each other communion. Sometimes we have leaders at the front and they serve you. Sometimes it's self-serve. We pass it down the aisles. We want this time to actually have you serve each other communion. And so the way that that's going to work is we're going to form two lines down to the two stations here at the front. And uh, Pastor Wally and I will start, and we will serve the first person, people who come to the line for communion to receive. And then once you have received communion, you're going to come around behind the table, and you're going to take the role of that priest who serves the next person in line behind you. And so if you know their name, you can speak it out. If you don't, that's fine. And when we serve each other, you can say something like, this is Christ's body that's broken for you. This is Christ's blood that's shed for you. Don't worry, it's not a formula. If you don't remember it, you don't get it perfect, it's messy. That's okay. What we're trying to say here is we serve each other in significant and meaningful ways all of the time. And when we serve each other at this table, it centers us again around who we are in Christ and the incredible gift that he has given to us. And then we offer that to each other in faith and saying, as a member of this community, I want to serve you in this way. And so uh, Jared and Ruth Ellen and the team are going to come and lead us uh, in four songs 
of worship and song. And so there's no rush. You don't have to immediately come to the table to participate in communion. You can take the time that you need uh, and, and be ready whenever you come. Our prayer teams will also be available at uh, the back and uh, they'll be ready to pray for you if you like. And they'll have name tags on so you can identify them. But we want to just create this opportunity to serve each other in love and serve each other in, in this way. And so there's gluten-free options for those uh, who would uh, come to the table. So just signal that for the person that is uh, serving you at the table this afternoon. And uh, then when the last uh, people come, we'll give the benediction and we'll close our time uh, together. So let's pray as we move into this time. God, we just are so grateful uh, and we affirm the fact that you, uh, all good gifts are from above and they come from you. You have given us in Christ the greatest gift, the gift of relationship with you, which brings us into a family relationship with others who name the name of Jesus. And Lord, we desire to serve one another and to serve our world as we have received love from you. And so this is just a picture, a, a symbol of that. And so, Lord, as we move into this time, would you knit us together as a community of service, a community that receives from one another and gives one another freely and with love. And we ask all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus, your Son who shed his blood for us on the cross, who gave his body for us that was broken so that we could be whole. And so we receive this not because we're worthy, but we receive it in faith. We serve not because we're worthy or perfect, but we serve it as a demonstration of your love and care for others in this community. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. Amen. As we worship, you can stand or sit as you like, and then when you're ready to come to the table and be served, you'll just step behind and then serve the next person in line behind you.